This is Reservations, and I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Nigel Windberry. <laughs> Once again, to go with the theme. It's very British, yeah, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I said last week, this movie has, like, every British actor that you could think Have of fun. in it. Yeah. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Um, now, before we jump into everything just a quick couple things yes we're doing this over riverside again because it's cold it's that time of it's that time of year where the roads are frozen it's cold so yeah yeah uh it's cold and the roads are frozen so i mean probably you would have been fine to drive over now but to play it safe it's better if we do it like this yeah i agree Sorry, I just got a text uh, from Haley. I told her uh, <laughs> the audience might think Zach will think this is funny. Uh, audience, like, what? Who am I? Um, uh, I told her that we're th- trying to throw her friend a, a party next year uh-huh. for her birthday, and she's going to turn thirty. And so we're trying to think of themes. And I said, "Oh, let's do thirteen going on 30. You know, the movie's dope. <laughs> yeah. She said no, and I said I was going to walk into traffic, and she said, "Have fun." So <laughs> that you go have fun, buddy. That's exactly what it says. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh my Lanta. I know. But of course But of course, you know, the if there's anyone besides Zach listening, you know, they won't realize I I think they'll not realize that we make a lot of jokes like that. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna get rid of myself. Yeah, I'm gonna get, yeah, let's go. Yeah. I'm going to pass away. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go pass away then. If I can't have my 13 yeah. going on 30. If I can't be Mark Ruffalo, it, you know what? Uh, if, if I can't get to be Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Gardner's long lost love, then going point? on 30, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been rewatching scrubs. I think I told you that. And uh, yeah. I got to the episode where Turk and Carla are trying to have a baby. And uh, they're, their uh, doctor was all like, you know, is there a lot of stress in the relationship? And Carla's like, yeah, like if uh, if we can't get pregnant tonight, I'm just going to kill myself. And Turk's like, not helping. <laughs> uh, that show's awesome. Yeah, it is. But fuck the, but, but fuck the last season. Fuck I the mean, yeah. season, dude. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am going to watch Bill Lawrence's new show, Shrinking. But yeah, fuck that last Is it Bill Lawrence? Fuck the last uh-huh that's cool yeah because uh, krista his wife is in it i did know that and i i think i may have even thought oh i wonder if it just joking to myself i wonder if it's bill lawrence um, yeah it's bill lawrence yeah that makes sense yeah. um poor thing she can't get a job with adam i guess <laughs> <laughs> although she's not in ted lasso he had nothing to do with the drew carey show right yeah but so, she's not in ted lasso though that's true 
But anyway, well, welcome back, everyone. Um, it's also that time of year where we are now in the end of season series. Uh, and in my opinion, I, I feel like you and I have the most fun during the end of season series. I think so. Yeah. Um, so uh, this time it is my pick because uh, I got to I started the season. So now I get to be the one to close it out. And we are doing Terry Gilliam's dystopic trilogy. Now, I learned something a little interesting since uh, we closed off on our Phantom Carriage episode. Technically, this movie is a part of two separate trilogies that Terry has yet to technically officially confirm. Yeah. Um, but we're going to focus on the dystopic one just because that's the one I'm ready for, even though well, yeah, Brazil fits in two of those, which is interesting and rightfully so fits in both, uh, you know, fits with time bandits and uh, Munchausen. Mm-hmm. And then it also fits with 12 monkeys and zero. Theorem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, and if you didn't know, if you forgot, uh, we're talking about Brazil. Um, yeah. You know, so, after we after we finished that episode and I was editing it just to make sure that, you know, because I was worried uh, that I didn't say the right word that he calls the trilogy. He calls it the dystopic trilogy. That's when I was like, wait a minute. Two different trilogies are coming up. Mm-hmm. That's a little. And that, again, he's never officially said yes or no to either of them, apparently. Right. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. Oh, and. <laughs> Sorry, I was just going to say, we have done a Terry Gilliam movie. Uh, we did Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I forgot about that. Because <laughs> that's all the way in season one, man. That was... that was That's a long time almost, ago. That was almost four years ago, so... Wow, look at us go. I know. Uh, yep. What were you going to say, buddy? I was just going to say that he's an eccentric guy. So, I mean, he probably said it and forgot he said it. I don't know. I was... Probably. You know, like I said, I was watching that um, Battle for Brazil documentary on the criterion release and the t- <laughs> he'd be hard to talk to at a dinner party i think he's kind of all over the place yeah i was watching i think it was um i think it was the the supplements on the criterion release of 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 fear and loathing and it had an updated interview with him and yeah he was just sort of like i'm like dude can you yeah. get one thought straight first um, but I wanted to mention this cause I had this revelation while I was rewatching the movie last night. And then, uh, as I mentioned to you off mic, I watched Baron Munchausen today for the first time mm-hmm. ever, which, I've um, seen. uh, Terry Gilliam is to me what David Lynch is to you. So even though we both love David Lynch, yeah, but you've openly said on, the podcast that you are a Lynch disciple, I guess I would say I'm a Terry Gilliam disciple because seeing Monty Python and the Holy Grail just kind of set this all in motion. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I, I think I would die for David Lynch for sure. I mean, that's not, <laughs> yeah. I, I... Now would you die for him or kill for him? Both. That's fine. Both. Either way, you know, like I'm not like, I, just whatever he needs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, it's 
but uh, and this is I'm saying like I'm a disciple, you know, of David Lynch, and this is you know me like just in terms of I've seen the majority of his stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I haven't read any of the books, any of the extensions of the the Twin Peaks universe. I haven't read any of like the like the Laura Palmer uh, dossier files or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I don't understand all of it. It's just, I love it, you know? Yeah. I, that, and I guess that's, that's Gilliam for you, I guess. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, there's just something about his films and, and, you know, we're definitely going to get into it with this end of season series. Uh, uh, but yeah, there's something that, just like you've said about Lynch, man, there's just something about it. Um, and, I guess that is a good kind of starting point. Um, now, like I mentioned last week, I've seen Brazil. So yep. I guess we can go off our first impressions for the first time we ever saw the movie. Do you happen to remember when the first time was you ever saw the movie? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately for my story is I didn't finish it the first time I watched it. So, really? No. Um, I got bogged down in the beginning of the third act. It gets a little... Not slow. Or maybe it's the end of the second act. I don't know. I, I just get, you know, just sort of like, well, what time is it? And how long have I been watching this? You know? Uh, well, not that I, I didn't say, like it. Just I had other stuff to do. Well, and I will say, you know, it... It tends to drag. Yeah. Because um, I remember, like, my first impression, the first time I ever saw it, like, I was like, ooh. It, exactly what you were thinking. Like, how long have I been watching this for? But but I didn't hate it. It's just, I was yeah. like, it, it is a long movie. And re-watching it last night, I was like, I was like, okay. No, like, it's, there's a reason it's almost two and a half hours long. Yes, I agree. Uh, I agree. So, so Jeremy, uh, yep. would you like to tell everyone that little synopsis no, to get us started? No, you're going to do it this time. I'm going to do it? Okay. Yeah, All you're right, going to so... do it. It's your, <laughs> it's your three, so. Uh, okay. And I'll right, miss something. So... For sure, I'll miss something if I do it. All, so. right. All right. I'll try to make this short and concise. <laughs> that way we can focus on everything else. All yeah. right. So, Brazil is a 1985 dystopian black comedy um, taking place in an unnamed world, um, which, quite frankly, we didn't need, but we'll get, we'll get to that later. Um, we are following a low-level bureaucrat named Sam Lowry, played by the always amazing Jonathan Price. Mm -hmm. uh, he is content with his job, because in this dystopian reality, there's no big brother. It is a totalitarian uh, government, but it's more so paperwork for paperwork for paperwork for paperwork. Um, so there's no big brother. There's no one controlling anything. It's just order is the paperwork. And Sam is content with his records job. But he's having all of these fantastical dreams about escaping, oh, oh God, just hit my mic, uh, escaping and flying away and being free. 
And then one day he sees a woman who resembles a woman he's been dreaming about. And now his quest is, who is this woman? How can I find her? And how can I be with her? Um, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to find where to go next. Cause I'm, I'm in a good flow, but I'm trying to figure out where to go next. Uh, I mean, Sam does eventually get to meet her. Her name is Jill. Um, and she's at first a little kind of hesitant with him because she doesn't know if she can trust him or not because he's a part of the system. Um, but it's one of those situations where things start to open up for Sam where he's realizing, oh, this system is actually broken, that it's uh, that I've been a part, I've been implicated in the system. Oh, and I forgot to mention... But, of course, we'll get into it uh, here in a second, is this movie all kicks off with a simple error. Uh, Simple error is made, the wrong man is arrested, and that's what kind of kicks this movie, and Sam is in the middle of it all. Um, And then uh, Sam falsifies some records to get the heat off of Jill, but he, in turn, is captured and tortured but we think he gets away spoiler alert he doesn't uh and the last 10 minutes of the movie is all in sam's head and but that's brazil um good job i thank you i i felt pretty good about that i didn't want to drone yeah, on yeah, for too long because yeah. i know we were gonna get into a lot of stuff so yeah um so jeremy uh do you want to start with the actual world uh, rather than starting yep. with Sam sure. let's start with the world um, Gilliam and all his co-writers because he had like multiple co-writers mm-hmm. on this movie um, it's interesting that they made sort of like a George Orwell's 1985 or 1984 world unintentionally because apparently none of them read the book None of them saw the movie. Well, he said that, uh, or someone, I, I, I thought it was uh, Gilliam, had referenced that the original title of the film was uh, 1984 and a half, uh, which oh, is a reference awesome. to 1984 and eight and a half. Um, sort of blending the two ideas together, the sort of uh, the Big Brother dystopian aspect of 1984 and the surrealist aspect of uh, eight and a half. And then, you know. Uh, which is sort of what this is. Um, yeah, that would I like cool. that. I like that you didn't mistakenly say a dystopian future because that's not what this is. This isn't a future movie. This is uh, even in the beginning. It says somewhere in the in the uh, 20th century. So mm-hmm. we're not talking future. We're not talking past. This is just an alternate dystopian reality. Um, mm. So good job yeah. on that. Thank you. Um, I love, and I mentioned this last week, I believe, I love Gilliam's aesthetic. I love the the electric typewriters and the mm-hmm. the magnifying glasses in front of the screens and the the tubes and the the vents and you know this sort of alternate take on on up and coming and state of the art technology is just repurposing old technology. 
mm-hmm. you know, which I really, really like. Um, that's probably my favorite part about this movie is just how it looks in, in the world that it's in. Yeah. Yeah. In, um, in that one hour video I watched, um, which uh, hopefully future rain will include that video somewhere. Cause I definitely think everyone should check it out. Uh, this guy does a, a retrospective of specifically the criterion release. Like he talks about the box art and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, he goes into depth about the, 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 the typewriters and well, the quote unquote computers and, um, you know, and that when I, I remember when I first saw the movie, I thought that it was supposed to be the future and then rewatching it. I was like, Oh no, this isn't supposed to be the future. It's just supposed to yeah. be a time and a place. Right. And this is just how it looks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, I, I love the big magnifying glasses, especially when we get that really cool pan from behind it and we see Sam's mm-hmm. face yeah. blown up on it so we can kind of see the other end of it. Yeah. Yeah. The magnifying glasses, it makes me laugh every time. Um, but that's because apparently Terry Gilliam, uh, specifically wanted to use the smallest monitors he could find. Yeah. And they're so tiny that way. they. Yeah. Cause in the beginning of the film before that, that horrible bureaucratic mistake is made uh, at changing Tuttle to Buttle is he's watching TV on that screen and it's, you know, it's smaller than your phone. You know what I mean? Like it's so Mm -hmm. small and it's black and white and it's whatever. Um, I don't know. Very, um, I don't know what the kids call it. It's not steampunk. It's something else. Anyway. uh, Uh, But I don't know what it would be. Nerds figure it out. I don't know, but it's, it's very, you know, this sort of weird take on that technology. And, and I like that, you know, the whole movie just gets kicked off with just a bureaucratic mistake, right? Which Mm -hmm. is showing the flaws of what controls this world or this, you know, this place that they're in um, and how easy it is to make a mistake and how easily flawed it can be. Um, Yeah. And, but I was just saying, and how, um, how just used to it, these people are. Well, yeah, it's their world, right? Yeah. Uh, it's part of what makes surrealism so great is people aren't acknowledging the strangeness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's strange to you and me, of course. Um, and I love, you know, like you were saying that everything is just paperwork on top of paperwork, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that in that beginning when they arrest Buttle um, and the upstairs neighbor who, you know, is um, is our love interest, um, Jill. She, they go, ma'am, we don't make mistakes. And then they put the, the thing in for the <laughs> hole and it's too small. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and, you know, and another thing about this world, too, is, you know, none of these systems have any accountability because – with that scene in particular, like what they switched to metric and didn't tell us again. Yep. Uh, instead of acknowledging the fact like, yeah, no, we did fuck up. Like, well, it's, it, it's someone else's fault. And um, it always is throughout the whole movie. It's like that, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. who is responsible for this, for this mishap with the, with the names, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's always a different department, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's summed up perfectly uh, with Jack Lent, uh, uh, Michael Palin's character, uh, 
mm-hmm. um, who is uh, he's hysterical in Gilliam's uh, second movie, Jabberwocky, which mm-hmm. I think is behind my head somewhere. It should be behind. Uh, yeah, that's right, right there. Boom! Right there. Wait, hang on. wait, wait, wait. There we go. Oh right there. You got it. Um, uh, Michael Palin's hilarious. Uh, but you know he says when Sam tells him. Uh, you know, all I know is you got the wrong man. And he's like, no, I got the right man. Uh, information retrieval got the wrong man. I deli- I accepted him at, on good faith as the right man. Right. And, and there's no accountability. Like, he's like, no, like, they said he was the right man. It wasn't my fault. And I like, like that he was- acknowledges that it was the wrong man, but he got the correct paperwork, meaning that I have the paperwork for the guy I was supposed to have. So, mm-hmm. and on there, it had nothing about a heart condition. So I don't know. You know what I mean? So that's how that is. And yeah, you know, whatever it, it's, I like that they acknowledge that, uh, how just deep they get into the bureaucracy. Anyway, I'm going to mm-hmm. be saying that word a lot, by the way. So get a count. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and even Ian Holm, Ian Holm, when he goes, um, when, when Sam says, well, at least it's not our fault. He goes, is it not? You know, he gets really excited. He goes, it's not our fault? Yeah. Goes, no, no, no. It's easy. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Ian, Ian Holm, his boss, uh, Bilbo Baggins, to uh, uh, anyone else who doesn't know who that is. Um, <laughs> do, and he makes... Alien. Me... Don't, 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 don't take him away from Alien. He's an alien. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's... Uh, no, he's... Yeah, he's the an robot. alien. Yeah. 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 I would say I, he was... A, it was a different android and and aliens yeah because uh, yeah. they rip uh, yeah, them yeah. apart in uh in the first one so yeah um but yeah no uh even yeah but even um you know even in your day-to-day life you know like when uh you know sam calls for central repair um which we again we were right bob hoskins um you know he tells him do you have a Oh, what was it? A 27B slash six or something like that? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't write that shit down. That's crazy. Uh, but, you know, he asked for that form and it like freaks him out that they're, he's asking for it. Right. You know, it's. I, I couldn't imagine uh, living in a world where we had to have paperwork for paperwork. You yeah, know, it's just documentation. You know what I mean, just constant documentation, which is indicated in that dream sequence uh, where uh, Harry Tunnel gets covered in documentation and then disappears, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the film. Yeah. Uh, where it's just a, it's, it's a visual representation of just the, the documentation, the paperwork, all the, all the stuff that has to go into doing anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know what it makes me think of a lot, dude? And I think you're going to hate this comparison, but honestly, Maybe. it's the best comparison. Well, it makes me out. think of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The, uh, um, okay. Oh, I can't think of the, I can't think of that race of aliens. Uh, in the movie, I know you hated the movie. Uh, they, they have paperwork on top of paperwork and, you know, and the guide itself says they wouldn't even lift a finger to save their mother unless they had this paperwork and this film, you know, and then it was filed in triplicate. Now, I'm, that's a great example. And I'm good job. I don't remember that. Okay. Good. In the movie. 
so here's the deal. My dad and I saw this movie one time. <laughs> and I even mentioned it to him later in life. It could have been as, as early as a year ago. I said, you know, if we were to rewatch that movie, I bet you we'd like it. You know, or at least we wouldn't hate it as much. And he said, yeah, but we can't. It's too, it's, it's too long. You know, we can never watch it because we've just spewed so much hate out of our mouths. Love the Hitchhiker's Guide, man. Well, I'll never know. I will granted, never know. Granted, uh, it's not the best adaptation I've ever seen, but it's still a lot of fun. Most deaf, Sam Rockwell, Martin Freeman, Zoe Deschanel. Is uh, Alan Rickman, is he the robot? Yes, he's the robot. I remember that. I remember him making me laugh because he was just so depressed and that made me laugh. But um, that was the only thing, I guess, that we liked about it. Yeah. (laughs) But I'll Uh, never know. I bet you, I bet you I'd like it if I saw it again. Just do it for me. I can't. I can't. As as a birthday gift. As a birthday gift for me. Rewatch it, Jackers got to the Galaxy. Yeah, dude. If Dad ever found out, dude, I'd be I'd be so bummed. If he ever found out, I'd be busted, bro. Would Would it make him any less proud of you than he already is? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no. But you know what? Um, like, uh, like Dennis, and it's always sunny. Maybe he could go lower. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, the... We could probably get more disappointed in me, and I just don't know. I haven't reached there yet. You know what I mean? Like, there's always levels. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, point being, that's what it reminded me of. Um, Yeah. And then something else, well, something else that reminded me of, and now I see it, now that we've done this movie, um... Another example of no accountability in this universe is Jill being passed around to department to department. Made me yes. think of Ikuru. Um, yes, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure that was I'm sure that was unintentional. Uh, yeah. But you know, Jill's trying to help the Buttles since he was wrongfully mm-hmm. arrested. Uh, and the guy's like, no, 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 you, you got to go to this department. She's like, no, that department sent me here. And he was like, well, do you have this form? And has it been stamped? And she's mm-hmm. like, well, I have that form, but no, I wasn't aware it had to be stamped. And he was like, yeah, you have to get it stamped at the department. You just, you know, and it's just, it's just ways of, and I'm pretty sure you said it in our Ikuru episode. It's just ways of passing off the accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if something goes wrong, you never know. And and you know, and the other thing about this world too is it definitely f- favors the rich. Yeah. Uh, as we see with with Sam's mom having not only so much pull in the the Ministry of Information to try to get Sam a, a promotion, but the fact that you know a bomb goes off in the middle of their dinner and she's just like, eh, whatever. And keeps eating. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We forgot to mention Zach. Uh, there's intermittent terrorist bombings throughout the movie. Yeah, buddy. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> he is our new Joel. He is our new Schumacher. I, we should put him. Yes. On 
Let's do it. I need to we update the website anyway. The website, yeah. Um. um okay so i i think before i saw the movie um for years i guarantee you i've seen a still image of our introduction to linda lowry right Mm -hmm. with her delita or ida sorry ida Ida. with the yeah with the cheeks right with the uh, and you're it's a good eye catcher. I mean, it's a good image to use if you're not familiar with the film. Cause you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I'm, sure, I'm sure I've seen that still too. I feel like I saw it somewhere. Um, I think probably when, when not Hastings was a Hastings, I want to say, I, I feel like I saw that still somewhere there. And probably. And was like, or at Hollywood Video, which is where I used to go to rent movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I, uh, but yeah, I, I, same as you. I was like, what the hell is this? Why yeah, is... I'm sure. I've seen it. Somewhere. You know, which, you know, is such, oddly enough, an iconic image from this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. Or... Uh, or Jack Lent wearing the uh, oh the baby mask the baby mask yeah yeah that's also yeah. a very popular image because it's that long it's such a striking image of that long uh, walkway you know mm-hmm. you'll see it again a little bit spoilers next week um, but you know that imagery is really striking um, yeah okay so I feel like we've sufficiently talked about the world and how there's zero accountability paperwork for paperwork for paperwork i mean let's let's talk about i mean let's just talk about sam sure because i love jonathan price so much um he's in baron munchausen uh is he yeah he plays he plays yet again a an elected official uh another bureaucrat um He's but good. His char- he, he really is. Um, but his character made me in Munchausen. It made me think of his character in um, the brothers Grimm. I didn't which, see that. That's also a, a Gilliam movie, right? Uh, that's, I don't think that's true, but I haven't I seen that movie. Um, if uh, those of you who are still unfamiliar with Jonathan price, I'm sure if you were our age, you recognized his face from Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, or if oh. you're cool, is it? Yeah, Brothers nice. Grimm is a Gilliam movie. Yeah, didn't know that. Uh, or if you're cool and like cool things, uh, he is in Taboo. Um, oh. The Tom and Chips Hardy. Uh, yeah. Um, I remember watching Taboo. I didn't know he was in it. I just I heard it was a Tom Hardy show on FX. I was like sold. I don't. Need to know so, anything about all this movie. I would have said was, Yeah, Sam Hardy, so I don't, I don't give a shit. Uh, and, and, when, and when he comes on screen and he says that first line, that 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 line is the first time I've ever heard him swear, too. He you know, swears the, so much in that show. I know, I know, like, what fucking rumor? I was like, Oh, Jonathan Price, shit. yeah. Um, uh, but it, but here, you know, it's such a different character. I mean, he's so he's so talented, but. Uh, here, I like that he plays the line of 
he's content mm-hmm. yet you know yet would prefer you know just to be free right to be yeah. some sort of a not only free but some sort of hero like figure that will that will come in and save the day right save us from all of this um mm-hmm. and by the way some of the best imagery in the film are his dream sequences. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. And some of the scariest shit ever is in also those <laughs> dream sequences. Uh, um, with those baby mats, man. I can't stand that shit. It's scary. Dude, I, uh, in that video, again, hopefully Future Rain has posted a link or a thing in, anywhere. Um, they talk about how apparently Gilliam's original idea was to have those dream sequences run the length of the actual movie so the movie was going to be i think they were estimating like twice its runtime uh until someone finally was like no 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 don't don't do that that's crazy don't do that um which truth be told i i probably would have loved the movie even more but yeah the sam's if he had had that idea now it would be perfectly fine because they would just split it up episodically right Mm mm-hmm which is what we do now. If if someone has an idea like that, that's like, I don't know, if you put it in the movie, it'd be five hours. Uh, they're like, well, we can split that up at least into three parts. You know, put it on fucking yeah. Netflix or Hulu or something. Um, which, by the way, dude, not every idea has to be a series. I know we've talked about this before, but whatever. Uh-huh. I don't want to get on a tangent. So, he's content... Yet, yet wants to be this, this hero-like figure, right? Mm-hmm. And then finds a chance to do so, right? With righting this wrong and helping the damsel in distress, which is what his, his fantasies are like, right? Mm-hmm. And the only reason he even takes that promotion is to get more information on this woman, mm-hmm. right? Right. Which, by the way, um, this is a situation where... Clark Kent wearing glasses and people don't realize he's Superman uh, is legit because her with long hair, I thought it was a different actress. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, so it's completely believable. You know? <laughs> now, now you see how it, it's, it, it all makes yeah. difference. Of course. You know, you wearing, take... it, yeah. Clark Kent wearing glasses and you know, they're like, well, how you doing Clark? Uh, you and Superman aren't in the same room together. That's weird. Um, but <laughs> with her, with Jill, you know, with the long hair, it's crazy. It's like a different person. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I do, I do find that so fascinating that our hero is, is content with where he's at, but dreams of being free and being, uh, you know, just d- he doesn't want to have to deal with it. But well, since he knows, att- he's immediately attracted to something out of the ordinary, which is when Harry comes into his house to fix his air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing it basically like like guerrilla style, like I was never here, you know. And yeah, as soon as Bob Hoskins and that other guy come in, he lies, right? to get mm-hmm. him out of it. He lies and he tricks him and he gets him out of there instead of 
if he were a real bureaucrat, if he were a true citizen, an upstanding citizen, he would have turned in Harry, right? He would have turned him in. He would have been like, there's this guy here. He's doing this. But immediately he was like, whoa, this guy's interesting, right? Yeah. This yeah, I think. Different. Which, which is a great segue uh, into Tuttle. Um, because I feel like to Sam, Tuttle represents everything that he has been dreaming about, you know, being yeah, free because Tuttle, you know, and that's, and that's why he's labeled a terrorist is mm-hmm. because he does freelance and yeah. there is no paperwork. And, yeah. and in this reality, freelance means terrorist. Yeah. Uh, he's not doing the paperwork. And, and in my opinion, one of the, if not the funniest roles of Robert De Niro yeah. Uh, because he's only in it. I think someone estimated like grand total, like eight minutes. Um, but right. he just, you can tell he's having so much fun just kind of showing up, shaking things up. And then he fucks off. Like it's. Yeah. I mean, Dero, he, he enjoyed this or was passionate about this so much that, um, to fight for the original cut of the movie, he went on talk shows. Really? And he hates doing those. Um, And, and Terry joked, uh, he said that, you know, he, he said about three or four words, you know, some, some got four out of him and that's pretty good. He was pretty chatty in those things. Um, (laughs) But it was the only way Gilliam could get on these things is if, uh, is if he had someone really famous with him and, De Niro agreed to do it just so he can um, fight the system and get his his cut out there. Um, well, and you know, and what also is so interesting is um, De Niro originally auditioned for Jack Lit's character, Michael yes, Palin's character. Yeah. Um, but Terry, having a friendship with Michael, had already promised him that role, mm-hmm. and. But Robert apparently was like, well, I'd love to be a part of this. You know, any role you have, I'll take. And that's when they're like, well, here, you can be. And, and it, truth be told, it works so well. He mm-hmm. and Jonathan Price work off so well with each other. It's yeah, it's insane. And it's a great role. I mean, it's small, but it's fun. You know, I mean, the Jack Lynn character is just a small, I think. Um, it's just his character is more, more integral to what makes the movie so dark i think mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah 100 um, percent. and i could see why that's more appealing right it the yeah. I, I mean the, the part is just as small but more significant with the turn of the film and how the movie ends really um yeah which is i understand why that's more interesting you know but yeah. still uh, harry tuttle super fun i love that yeah so do i man especially when uh he <laughs> he mixes up the um, sewage and the air conditioning vents, and yeah. uh, Bob Hoskins and the other guy's suit fills with sewage, and he's just standing there smoking his cigar, just like, yeah, okay, yeah. and like letting Sam watch as their like suits explode. Um, yeah, yeah, dude, it's. Tuttle, yeah, Tuttle definitely represents to Sam 
I, I think everything that Sam wants, which is like what we've been saying, freedom and to be not a part of this system anymore. He's not a part yeah. of the system. Um, okay. Um, I want to really talk about the end of the movie. Cause okay. hey, we're just going end, right into it. I mean, unless there's something you want to talk about first. I mean, we could, um, you want to mention, well, let's see. We could talk about Jill a little bit because Jill is like, like Tuttle. She pushes back, right? She bucks the system, which is why mm -hmm. I think number one, why Sam is so attracted to her in the first place. Right. Yeah. And then he also sees her as like a way out of this. Right. Yeah. Um, and again, to f fulfill the fantasy of helping a damsel in distress. Right. That's basically what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, well, and, you know, and like Tuttle, the reason why she's labeled uh, a terrorist is because, yeah, she's she's pushing back. You know, she's saying that, you know, well, you arrested the wrong man, which is the truth. Yep. But as we've established and this world is established, there's no accountability. Mm -hmm. So if you're telling us that we arrested the wrong guy, but we know we didn't, well, then you're a terrorist. <laughs> well, and what's really interesting about the accountability thing is that um, Sam goes to Buttle's house to deliver mm, the check mm -hmm. as almost an admission of guilt, right? He goes, well, you know, uh, we thought we'd bring the check in person just so there's no more, uh, you know, mistakes or no more waiting, right? Uh, right. It's almost an admission of guilt. I, I feel like he, he feels like the system, I mean, obviously the system really failed this family, right, in a big way. And he feels bad oh, yeah. about that. Because not only because he's already just feeling sort of not bad, but I mean he's he's feeling uneasy about being in this system, right? About being a part yeah. of it as well, not just living in the society, but being a part of it in general. Well, yeah, and you know what's interesting too is sorry, um, everything comes back to sort of haunt Sam. You know, delivering mm -hmm. the check. Uh, yeah. The fact that his the personal vehicle he checked out gets destroyed. Um, you know, and so it is kind of interesting that this the, the movie is showing us that he's content, but he yearns to be free of all of this. And in the process of trying to keep his head down and then trying to find Jill he unravels his own kind of undoing, you know, mm -hmm. um, especially when he breaks into Mr. Helpman's office to declare Jill is dead. That yeah. way he can remove the target off of her back. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Ian Holm doesn't help either. Like Ian Holm no. kind of, Ian Holm kind of fucks him because he he's he's so he's so like oh well, what am I gonna do without you, Sam? Right. Yeah. Throw you under the bus apparently. Apparently. Yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. Now well, you can. Okay. 
So the end of the movie. So Sam Sam gets captured um, because of all pretty much everything that I just mentioned comes back to haunt him. The delivering of the check, the fact that he never filed any paperwork for the the personal vehicle he re- checked out that got destroyed, um, falsifying Jill's records. Um, all this comes back to haunt him. Um, and the, you know, it's not exactly clear what they really want out of Sam. Mm. I guess maybe to tell, maybe for him to tell them where Tuttle is, but that's not something he even knows. Right. I guess. And again, it's just, um, I think it's just run of the mill punishment, right? Because he is, he has broken so many rules right that mm-hmm. and he's harboring someone labeled a terrorist right he has no associations with you know um tuttle and whatever so i think that's pretty much what and that's all it takes right yeah i mean the original the original tuttle that they were supposed to capture i think when they were reading off the stuff it wasn't even that bad you know um, yeah. if I remember correctly, I might be missing something, uh, or mis- misremembering when they're reading off the, um, the, the reasons for his, uh, abduction mm-hmm. in the very beginning, but it didn't seem all that egregious, right? Like it definitely wasn't murder, you know, yeah. anything like that, uh, which is interesting. But, um, but yeah, so... I love how, and we've talked about movies that have done this, where, you know, the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie, you get a ton of information thrown at you just to have the rug pulled out from underneath you. Yes. You know? So Speaking of Lynch, I mean, that's what Mulholland Drive is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to our Mulholland Drive episode. Uh, I love Mulholland Drive. I know. So much. Um, I've got Inland Empire on my uh, on my wish list. Because um, I think that's the only one I need. Well, besides Wild yeah. at Heart and A Straight Story. Anyway, uh, yeah. So we think Sam is rescued by Tuttle and his little band of resistance cool. fighters. His terrorist organization. Go ahead. Yeah, his terrorist organization. Um, but that's when we're, where we got the uh, the really cool, surreal scene of Tuttle being covered in all the paperwork. And then when Sam's yeah. trying to help him, he just disappears. And so... Should have been an indication that's right our, there. Yeah, that's our first clue as to like, hey, let's, something's not right here. And then, you know, then Sam falls through a coffin... Yeah, at his um, mom's funeral, which is just like a funeral of her uh, old parts. Uh, his no, it's his mom's friend's funeral. Oh, is that right? Because his mom, yeah, his mom's friend, you know, keeps she's oh, getting that's right. like she keeps getting worse and worse because <laughs> yeah, because because her doctor is using like acid or something to like thin her face down. As were Slughorn. I can't think of that actor's name. I just know him as Professor Slughorn from Harry Potter. 
he's he's an actual plastic surgeon using a knife you know right uh but yeah yeah moment where his mom turns into jill Mm -hmm. right um which could be a little bit of a maybe a freudian thing maybe maybe um but then you know and then sam you know falls through her uh, um his mom's friend's coffin and then he ends up in his dream nightmare uh and then goes through a back door and is in the house that jill's transporting so jill got away what we think and then they're living happily happily ever after in the countryside Mm. oops no not really i really liked that sort of that melding of dream in reality with them just coming into frame from the sides. Yeah. You look at him. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course it's the sunny, nice, you know, picturesque background. And then they sort of just lean in like, you know, huh. as if to say, no, <laughs> you know, nice yeah. try. Um, yeah. And I assume they lobotomized him is what it is. Cause they had that tool. Um, I didn't see any blood or anything. So I, you know, I'd still not sure. Or Either. Lo- is just, or if he just broke down, right? And is just yeah. gone. I think that's what it's implied. So, yeah, I think it's implied that Sam couldn't handle the torture and mentally broke and yeah. essentially went insane. But there's a silver lining to that because now he can be free. Right. The only um, way he can be free. Now, that's a very nice way to look at it, Rain. It's not how most people look at it. Well, because, um, again, I'm going to reference that video again. You know, Terry Gilliam even says that that's a happy ending for Sam because he is free now. Yes, he's insane, but he is he 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 gets to live in this fantasy for the rest of his life now that he's happy with Jill in the countryside, free from all the paperwork, all the bureaucracy, Mm -hmm. everything. I um, I agree with that in a way. Uh, I think the more pessimistic way of looking at it is the, the system one, the system is still yeah. going. The system is still uh, rightfully in place. Right. Um, Sam did nothing, you know, to, uh, to topple this tower, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's true. That's true too. You know, as you know, Mr. Helpman says at the beginning of the movie in that interview. And then when he visits Sam, you know, uh, people have to play the game because mm-hmm. uh, you know he you know he sees their world as a game you have to play it if you want to win and if you don't want to play it then you lose i like and, his character because he was sort of like old man potter and uh and it's a wonderful life because he's in a wheelchair <laughs> or whatever that's what it reminded me of right um yeah in that bizarre uh, scene of him uh, visiting Sam in prison and he's dressed like Santa. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause this yeah. is happening around Christmas. We forgot to mention. Yeah. Which this movie's technically a Christmas movie. Um, um, so, but yeah, you know, and it, yeah. So, I mean, I think both, I think both are true. The system mm-hmm. one, but yeah. Sam gets to be free from it. Yeah. Um, I guess this is a good transition into, you know, the fight for this cut of Brazil, which we get to see now. 
um, mm-hmm. which American audiences wouldn't have gotten to see back then, right? Uh, right. 1985. Um, it is all because of, hold on, uh, Sid Sheinberg. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I'd find his name real quick. Um, he's the reason why, you know, they basically just little by little just took over complete control over Brazil. Um, you know, much to Gilliam's chagrin, he, you know, he didn't want, that's probably not the right phrasing, but he, um, obviously Gilliam wanted the movie that he wanted that. he Yeah. That was like two hours and 20 minutes. Like that's, that's what he wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want the movie to exceed like, 205 or something silly like Ooh. like it shouldn't even matter right right um universal didn't and you know they fought over back and forth they you know they tried this love conquers all cut which is now what it's called uh where it ends with them on the farm and living happily ever after escaped from this place and it just doesn't work it's just not as good and you're given all of this information and all of this um, all of these indications that he's dreaming and all of that, and it just goes nowhere, right? It doesn't make any sense. They, yeah. of course, thought that American audiences won't get it anyway, so might as well just give it a happy ending, um, which is silly. Yeah. Which is interesting because, you know, uh, you know, American audiences love it. Uh, you know, it, it is a cult classic, and and you know and and that's i feel like that's gilliam's niche you know i would say most of his films are are cult classics you know um mm-hmm. you know especially my favorite of his fear and loathing um is 100% a cult classic film yeah. uh and something interesting also that i learned after watching baron munchausen uh that movie was a commercial failure it only of it's like i think 30 million budget it only made eight million dollars uh but critics loved it and i don't think this one did well either but as soon as he got to screen his cut of the movie for critics i mean they were saying it was the best film of the year like it was like and they were writing about it and they were you know it was a huge success with critics and and it was getting rave reviews after he finally showed them, got to show them the cut and it was a huge success for him, um, in that regard. And it, in what helped the box office success, it actually was a box office success. I'm just not remembering. And what helped was the fact that he had to like go on TV and be like, Hey, Scheinberg, when are you going to release my movie? You know? Yeah. Or he even put an ad in the paper that looked like an obituary. (laughs) <laughs> that just said, Sid Sheinberg, when are you going to release My Brazil? And then it, it, he signed it at the bottom and it went out in the newspapers and stuff. I mean, That's it was sort of, it became amazing. public knowledge that he was fighting against the system and, of course, mirroring Sam's struggles, right? Which I unintentional, but uh, is still there. Well, again, that video that, that got, that's what the that guy mentions that, you know, the film reflects Terry a lot, you know, who he was as a, as a person. 
um, you know, going through everything he was trying to do to get, you know, recognized and, you know, fight against the system and do things his way. Yeah. You know, so, so of course it would make sense that his, I think it's his fourth movie because it was Holy Grail, Jabberwocky, Time Bandits. So I think this was his fourth movie. All you would have to do is, you know, if I were an executive, all you have to do is say, oh, I'm in Monty Python. And it's like, oh. Like, oh, that was you? Do you want a bag of money? Like, I don't know. Go make whatever you want. You know? Fifth um, movie. I'm sorry. I forgot about Life of Brian. Or me, The Meaning of Life. Oh, that's right. Um, but yeah, so, I mean... Uh, yeah, I mean, the movie's great, and it's just it's just so crazy that it's it's one of those movies that we may have never gotten, you know? Yeah, you know, and it's also, I like, it can go back and forth, because as we've seen recently, um, public, publicized drama within the production can be bad, also. Because uh, we've seen that with Don't Worry Darling, which, of course, mm-hmm. isn't that great of a story anyway, but I think it made it ten times worse that you had all of this trouble. Um, another example of it working, I think, in its favor would be Apocalypse Now. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, right, and, there, right there. Right here. Yeah. This is one of those early examples where, um, which normally didn't happen, which is, you know, the public just generic viewing audiences knew about all the stuff going on behind the scenes about, you know, director versus studio. And of course people are going to back director over studio, uh, publicly just because it's an underdog story, right? Even Gilliam in that interview said it wasn't fair. It wasn't a fair fight because I knew I'd have everyone on my side because I'm going against a faceless corporation. Right. Yeah. And people hate those. So, yeah. Yeah, but uh, so Jeremy, are you ready to wrap up, wrap up, wrap up? I am. This movie's great. Um, a little gorier than I remembered it being. Um, like yeah. when he went into Jack's office and he's got you know his his white jacket on, it's covered in blood. Yeah. You know, uh, and the the shit coming out of the casket, you know, with her friend is just bones and mush. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that was gross. Um, so. I was like, oh, I had forgotten all about that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, then, of course, Jack's death sequence, you know, of him getting mm-hmm. shot in the head. Yes. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, man, the movie's great. Um, it's it's such, you know, quintessential Gilliam. Uh, you know, I, I feel like... I feel like this was around that time where he was really kind of finding his way you know because he had done time bandits before this and you know yeah but um but yeah man yeah so yeah. are you excited for the next one the next one you haven't seen right the next one i have not seen so we're back to the, the original rules of the season so everyone uh part two of our dystopic trilogy um is 12 monkeys um i've heard of this movie for years i know who's in it brad pitt and of course bruce willie um i know it involves time travel which 
if we haven't made that abundantly clear with our predestination episode uh i love time travel movies especially when they're done well and all i needed to know is that it was time travel bruce willis and terry gilliam that's that's all i needed to know yeah and it's and it's great you know um gilliam is really hit or miss for me um i i mean monty python stuff obviously that stuff is i I like that stuff um i didn't care for there was one movie where i just i didn't like hold on i'm gonna look at it right now um oh tideland i didn't like that um I just recently I found out about that I didn't like, and sorry, I didn't like the Fisher King. Um, that wasn't for me. Well, I haven't finished um, it, so. I, and so, and I started watching the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, um, just because I knew Tom Waits was in it, and then once I got to Tom Waits, I go, okay, the rest of this movie I don't care for, but I, I like this, <laughs> um, and I, I appreciate the, the changing changing the plot you know when Heath Ledger died changing the plot to make it make sense that all these other actors are playing him right mm-hmm. um, that I liked I appreciate that um, you know that's sort of on the fly storytelling and on the fly creativity but eh, you know <laughs> who fucking cares um, <laughs> I won't I won't see Time Bandits that just does not interest me at all Jabberwocky the- no way well, I may see, I may see Baron Munchausen. That I'm interested in. Well, uh, as I've told you with Jabberwocky, uh, think of it as if he took Monty Python serious, because that's what it's supposed to be. Even though, as I recently learned, it's supposed to be a satire on how people viewed the medieval times. Mm-hmm. And then it's crazy to me that you don't want to see Time Bandits because Time Bandits was his first, like his big commercial success movie that's how he was able to get the pull to do brazil uh was time bandit so it's it's, that's interesting that you don't want i don't know what to tell you it's got john cleese in it i know i like john cleese you know what i mean but i mean uh and bear munchausen was good i I think you'd like that uh okay i am but but anyway um but yeah so next week 12 monkeys uh i'm really excited did you ever see the show that they made? No. No. I knew I they made a show. Um, sci-fi made it? Yeah, it was sci-fi original. Um, I didn't care. Although, it might be good. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's just some stuff where I just don't care. And it's just, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, usually, I'm very skeptical with, with TV either television continuations or television reboots of something that I really like in movie form. Uh-huh. Um, uh, of course, a wonderful example of it working flawlessly is Hannibal. Um, yeah. Where, I mean, that show is just top notch. Um, I heard Dracula wasn't very good. NBC did that. Um, it was NBC or CBS or Fox somewhere like that. Um, it was that guy with the weird face. What is his name? It doesn't matter. Anyway, they, they try to do that as a television show, and that didn't work. Um, and I have other examples, I think. I heard the new Chucky show is very good. 
but I don't know. Not interested. No. Well, well, good thing we're just going to talk about the movie. So yeah, thank God, because I didn't. But very excited for Cold Monkeys and uh, Zach. I hope you hung in there, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, yeah, everyone. We we hope you enjoyed Brazil, part one of our end of season series, and we will see you next week for part two, Twelve Monkeys. I will